All right, each and every day at this time, we do What You Need to Know, presented by Morongo. Play it safe, good times. LZ's here, Momo's here, and Greg will do his pukey voice. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me on What You Need to Know, George, and LZ, and Momo is here as well. So, one unnamed Eastern Conference executive was talking about one Ben Simmons from Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, he says, has not improved in one area of his game at all since coming into the league. He says the same player today as he was in his rookie year, and teams have figured him out in the playoffs. He's why they won't go far. Now, George, do you agree with this unnamed Eastern Conference so- source? Uh, <laughs> pretty good. I, <laughs> Wink Martindale. Um, I, uh, Wait, let, I, me, let me tell yeah. you something. We used to have, you know Dave Shore. You guys know Dave Shore? Who's yes. Out here? Yeah. Yeah. He used to do, he used to do our – Lakers pre and post. Yes. He was like the Sliwa. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was like that version of Sliwa. Like right. it'd be like <laughs> if Sliwa came on and was like, joining you now before the Lakers, Pelicans, Zion Williamson, the next great NBA superstar. Some <laughs> compare him to LeBron James, but let's see what LeBron James has to say to the young fella. Coming up next on ESPN LA. So like that you, was you, Dave Tours. Every time. Do you want to laugh about Dave Shore? And I'll answer your question in a second, Greg. Um, the uh, I, That's fine. So I was um, – this was probably like, God, 2000 – mid-2000s maybe. Um, when did Andrew Siciliano work with Michael Thompson? How far back do we have to go? Uh, I would say like nine, eight, nine years ago. Right. That sounds right. All right. So it was probably when LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. It was probably why I was in L.A. Because yeah, those guys think, were probably think, yeah. playing the Lakers. That makes sense. Yep. And I said – and they had just they had just let go of Andrew here, who is – I've known Andrew forever. I worked with him at Fox Sports Radio. I yeah. think he is Mr. Red Zone. No disrespect uh, awesome. to Scott Hansen, but, you know, Andrew's yeah. my guy. Um, and uh, they should get into an anchorman fight one day maybe and figure it out who should yeah. be the, the Red Zone guy. Um, but I said – I walked up to him. And I, he introduced himself to me. We were sitting there at, you know, the media room in Staples. And I'm like, oh, Dave Shore. I'm like, you work at 710, right? You're the assistant PD. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, why'd you get rid of my guy, Andrew Siciliano? And he just, like, clammed oh. up. And, like, he did not have an answer for me. And just, like, he got all clammy. Um, nice guy, though. I, I felt bad afterwards, and I apologized to him to put him on the spot like that. But, you know, I'm just yeah. kind of, like. Just came a, a straight jer- with it, huh? Yeah. And I'm kind of a jerk <laughs> like that sometimes. Like, hey, why'd you get rid of my guy? You know, like you know what though, you say it in such a nice voice, it doesn't sound jerky. Yeah, but right? it, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why'd you yeah. get rid of my guy? You know, like that's What's up with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so to answer your question real quick before uh, Momo moves on, and you're listening to KSB in Los Angeles, um, I, I look, I think Ben Simmons not shooting threes can hurt them. Um, I, I think until he starts at least attempting them, uh, I think that they are capped as far as they can go. While I don't agree that. He's the exact same player. He's a much better defender and a, even a better – he's an even better passer than he was as a young player. Um, I do think that that is a big shortcoming. LZ? Um, what did I call him? Or who did I call him? You said he was Derek McKee, which is absurd. Der- Derek McKee. Yeah. And so far, I'm right. No, get out of here. So Derek McKee right, is a role player. Some, so far, I am right. No way. This guy is a, is a multi-time all-star. You're talking Already. about you're talking about fan voting. I'm talking about skill set. No, he was on the all defensive team last year. Like get you're out of here with Derek McKee. I, well, okay, Momo okay. break the tie. Derek McKee or no? He's better than Derek McKee. Come Thank you. 
Come on. What did Michael What did Michael Thompson say when I brought it up? Do you remember that? Michael Thompson is old and crusty, and I love him, but he's wrong. He, I don't know what he said, but whatever he said was wrong. <laughs> he's a terrible general manager, and I've told him this. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Yeah, yeah, you heard me. Okay. All I know is 6'9", good handles, good skill set, can score some, can play good defense, is a good cog. I didn't. Derek McKee was a not cog. a scrub. You you tend to think that Derek McKee was a scrub. No, Derek McKee's a role offended. player. No, Derek McKee was a good player who Stop. played a role with Hall of Famers. Okay, I feel that Ben Simmons is a lot the same. And the reason why I said that was because if you were so damn good, you could at least gotten your team to the NCAA championship. Sixty-four damn teams, you couldn't get your team to that. That told me everything I needed to know. Next question. I, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, I, I think like. You know, with with Ben, he's kind of like he's got a lot to prove, and we don't know yet how much he bleeds for the sport. You know what I mean? Like that's the question: is it? Do you? Is it not shooting threes? Is that just because you're kind of too cool for school? You don't feel comfortable? You don't want to put yourself out there? Or is it? You know, is that in you, and you just need to get over the hump and trust it? You know, yeah. like by I'm the way, give him another yeah, skirt too. By the way, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Paul George also never made the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I'm not necessarily holding. Were that they the number one overall pick? Because I'm a little confused. I mean, no, but they're all lottery picks. Were they the number one overall pick? Because every number one overall pick that did not make an NCAA tournament, I think we've been a little disappointed in, wouldn't you say? I'm not disappointed yeah. in Ben Simmons. All right, Momo, I know you got to run. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you for joining us and taking the extra time to listen to Greg's pukey voice. You, you, and and. Uh, LZ's pukey stories. Yes, Excellent. that's true. Yeah. It's a lot of puke yeah. today on the yeah, show. A lot of yeah. puke. A lot of yeah. puke. Oh, man. Oh, and we yeah. leave you with the farts. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm going to make that my ringtone. All right, I'll actually. handle those. I'll handle those this weekend. <laughs> Bye, Momo. Right. <laughs> Bye. See ya. There she is. All right, Clinton's going to join us here in a second. Um, LZ, let's talk real quick about the Rams. Um, since Momo gave us her pick, she thinks the Packers are going to win. I kind of think so, too. Now, I don't think – I think the Rams will cover. I have been big on – so if we were doing the picks, Rams would be my five, actually, um, like you. Uh, <laughs> but I think they can keep it close. I just think at the end of the day, I ain't picking against that dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I – you know, the the Packers can run the ball really well now. Yep. Um, I, I think that, that – I think Devontae Adams will be nullified by Jalen, but – you know, Alan Lazard has been good for them this year. Tanya and their tight end has been good. Um, I, I think he's got other weapons to go to, you know what I mean, than, than just Devontae Adams like in previous years. It truly is one of, if not the best quarterback of this generation versus one of, if not the best defensive player of this generation. Correct. We keep talking about Aaron Rodgers versus golf. That's a really dumb conversation. The conversation is about how does Aaron Rodgers handle the defense of the Rams? Right. Versus how does the offense, because the offense isn't built around Jared Goff, but how does the Rams offense handles the weather and the defense of the Packers? That's the conversation. 
So if you're asking me if Aaron Rodgers can beat the number one defense in the country, in the, in, in the league rather, I'm going, he could. Or if the weather's not working out and they're forced to like not have an air attack, it could be a disaster for him. Because that defense, our defense, the Rams defense, is legit. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk all we want about, you know, Sean McVay and, and talking to Jared Goff and things got to be right for Jared Goff. And those things are all accurate. Mm-hmm. Not downplaying that at all. Mm-hmm. But what's also accurate is that defense wins championships and our defense is legit. It isn't built on schemes and isn't built on, like, trickery. No, we got dogs on this squad. <laughs> Uh, Clinton Yates is with us here now. Uh, Clinton Yates, what do you make of LZ's assessment of the Packers and Rams? I think it's very ambitious. I think that it makes sense in a scenario in which that weather monster is not a factor. But I do think that it's the only hope the Rams have. Let me read some statistics to y'all in their career, including playoffs with freezing game time temperatures. How many starts do you think Aaron Rodgers has, LZ? In freezing temperature? Yeah. I would say like at least a third. 34 starts. He has 34 starts with game time freezing temperature. How many do you think Goff has? Two. Uh, Two. Los dos. Yes. Correct. Yeah, zero touchdowns, five picks. We we, we were talking about that earlier. Dude, that's it to me. Okay, fine. I don't need to go through all the stats. That's it to me. If the guy can't play in the weather, you can't win the football game. And sorry, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers in the weather. I don't care who's on the other side. I don't care if it's Ramsey picking the ball off, allegedly. I don't care if it's big man Donald, you know, getting to the – I just – I can't trust a shaky quarterback with a squad that doesn't necessarily figure out what their offensive identity is going to be on the road against a guy who's that good with a team that knows what they're doing. I just can't. I mean, my, 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 listen, I could break it down to all these other things, but my natural football understanding and belief is that you can't win that game unless some miracle happens, and I don't see any miracles happening. Well, Clinton, I got a question for you. Okay. How many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers been to? Two? One, one, right? One. One? He won that one? How many Jared Goff has been to? Uno. Okay. I'm sorry, am I I missing the point as to what that proves in that scenario? That that, that proves that I think that a lot of us, and maybe you're in this this camp as well, I think a lot of us are so caught up in what Jared Goff can't do that we overlook what he can do. This is a guy who has faced three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the postseason, and he's two and one. The one loss obviously was in the Super Bowl against arguably the GOAT, Tom Brady. No foul, no harm. He just beat one in Seattle. We know what he did in New Orleans. All, all I'm saying is, is that Sean McVay and Jared Goff, for all the things that we look at and go, eh, mm, eh, what we aren't looking at is that they figured out a way to be successful eh, in okay. situations where people think they shouldn't be. Yeah, but but here's another stat I would throw your way. If you go back the last... 15 years or so, uh, maybe even go back further potentially, but I just looked at the last 15 years. The last 15 years, the team with the bye wins a th- two-thirds of the next uh, of, of their first games, right? right? Like So the, the, that means the team that had to play in the first round who did not have a bye loses 66% uh, percent of the time. Also, hmm. I think there's a what little did bit LZ do last year. I, I can't uh, remember. Can I, I get it, but you can find outliers LZ <laughs> over six. No, but it just outliers. It just happened. I, I, LZ, like, I it think it literally that, just happened. I know, we but that still around, doesn't make built, doesn't mean it's not an outlier. Around, built around a strong defense, a great running game, 
and a QB that didn't make mistakes. Now, obviously, Jared Goff is mistake prone, and that is the great question right. mark. But <laughs> yeah. if you have a great defense and a great running game, that stat you just threw out there gets jumbled up a little bit, apparently. Okay, number one, that defense is better than the Titans' defense, but number exactly. two, the running game is not as good. So that's a factor. Number three, though, I, look, you don't have to crap on the Rams in order to think that they are severely outmatched in this situation. Right. That, that's what I'm saying here is that it's not yeah. about the Rams being terrible or that McVay has no idea what he's doing or that, or that Goff can't snap the ball or get out of the huddle without making a mistake. But this is a tall task is what I'm saying, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't. I'm, if I'm a Rams fan – I'm not walking into this saying, oh, massive disappointment if they lose this game. Not remotely. I don't think that's fair to the golf. I don't think that's fair to the Rams as far as how they developed this season and as far as how far they've come since that Super Bowl appearance. No, I'm not saying it's a massive disappointment if they don't win. What I'm saying is, is that I think that we're so caught up into the quarterback matchup that we're overlooking the team matchup. Okay. That's okay. all I'm saying. And I, and I think that the history of the Packers with Aaron Rodgers is one that shows some vulnerability in the postseason, regardless of how great they've been in the regular season. Hence the sole trip to the Super Bowl. Do you think that Goff could mess around and get pulled if he doesn't play well? Not for no damn Not Blake this Bortles. week because they don't have Wolford. Yeah. <laughs> not for okay. no damn Blake Bortles. At least okay. I don't think so, not for Blake Bortles. Okay. But, I mean, he was on the team last year, so he does know yeah, the system. Yeah, Blake Bortles is not a complete yeah. non-entity as far as this offense is concerned. And I'm not saying that that's what I'm angling for. I'm just wondering at what point, if the defense and the running game are so great, if your quarterback is making mistakes, you think to yourself, heck, we're not exactly giving ourselves the best chance. And I, I look, I wonder about that. They've switched quarterbacks in playoff games before. It literally happened last week, so. I, I think they're I, I think the Packers are winning the whole thing. Like so I, oh. I, I don't think it's a it's a like I don't think the Rams losing to them is that big a deal, like to your right. point. Like I actually think they'll cover. I think they'll cover the six and a half. I think it will be closer than most people think. But I don't have them winning. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I do either. I, I don't yeah. I, I mean covering I think the I, I do believe that the Packers will win the game, but I will not be on the Twitters going, Oh my god, I can't believe this if the Rams win. Okay. Because I do um, think I do think the, the matchup is a lot tighter than a lot of people are thinking because they're only looking at the QBs. Right. That's fair. Uh, that is fair. That part of it is a fair discussion for sure. All right. Uh, let's get back to basketball. Clinton's got takes on Brooklyn mm. and their oh, big three yeah. and, and, and what that means for teams like the Lakers and the Clippers and the teams in the East that think they're contenders. We got all that stuff to discuss. Plus, at 630, uh, we need to have a serious discussion with Raider fans about one thing. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Clint Yates hanging out with us as he does every Thursday um, at 6 o'clock. So thank you for doing that, Clinton. Um, all right. So Harden, Brooklyn, big three. I think it could be messy. LZ thinks it could be messy. But I also still think despite being messy – 
you know, stars win in this league, and I think they can win the East. I don't think they can beat the Lakers. I don't even know if they can beat the Clippers. Where are you? So I heard you talking about this on the program yesterday, the program of television that we both appear on around the horn, and I don't know that I agree that they are automatically a finals team. Okay. I don't necessarily know in total how much actually better this team gets in the context of this. Number one, I thought LeVert was a great player, and I thought he was necessary for them to be able to make a run. I just really did. I thought he was that kind of guy, and I understand that there's upgrades, obviously, as far as Harden from a scoring standpoint, but, like, he's James Harden. And also, I just don't think you can ignore the chemistry element. Shout out to our friend Mina Kimes, who tweeted that meme of homeboy dropping the fries and the hot oil and the thing coming up, talking about this is what it's like, you know, dropping Harden into that locker room. And I don't say that in any sort of, like, uh, sort of joking, oh my God, I love the rumors and the pettiness of the NBA. I mean, like, Kyrie Irving is growing, going through it, you know? Like, whatever the reason may be, whatever you're getting mad about or whatever judgment you want to pass on his dedication to the game or his team or whatever, dog, if he's not playing and if this is the mindset that he's in, he's not a good of a basketball player. And if the overall you know, takeaway from that is that, like, a lesser Kyrie is what you're bringing to this, I don't know how much they've improved just in terms of their overall ability to beat the Lakers. And if they're banging out their entire future for this, I, I don't get it. This was not worth it to me. It was too many players. It's too much volatility. And I just don't think that it puts them over any sort of hump. But that's the second time in like 10 years that the Nets have done this. So I'm not that surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, dog. Like, like with, when it comes to Kyrie, like I know we all got our jokes, but, you know, perhaps he's going through some mental health issues as well. So I'm trying to like temper like the jokes because I don't know everything he's got going on. All I know is he's not there. Yeah. And the person that they have brought there, James Harden, is someone who plays defense like his name with a small D somewhere in the middle occasionally. <laughs> And it's like, you're not going to win a championship. You may not even get out the East if your second best player is so casual about a critical aspect of this game, which is defense. It's true. Because because the other other part of it, too, is that they also lost Jared Allen. Yeah. We're talking about DeAndre Jordan. Net net protector in, in, in Allen, yeah. DeAndre Jordan, you know, he's not the DeAndre Jordan of Lob City. Let's put it that way. Jared Allen was actually the better big for them, and they moved him. So I'm just looking, I'm like going, all right, I know KD is nice, real nice, probably the most easiest scorer in the league right now. But if your Robin is James Harden, I'm not really sure if that's going to get you past all of those beasts in the East. The okay, so let, let, let's is, do that r- real yeah. quick. Clinton, who do you think challenges them in a playoff series in the East before we even get to the Lakers-Clippers version of this? I, I mean, I don't know that they move to the top of anything. I mean, I, th- I still think that I, that's a team that could lose to, I don't know, the Bucks or the Sixers. To me, I, I, I got to see it. There's, there's no scenario in which I drop that in and I'm assuming it works. Not at all. You know, I, I got to see that. And part of that factor, too, is amongst all the other things that LZ mentioned is Steve Nash, you know, and I, that's not a knock on him, but he's a rookie coach. They've put a lot of things in the soup there. And I'm not just going to assume that it's going to work out. I know, I, I know that coaches don't necessarily run everything in the NBA, but, you know, again, he's dealing with a lot more than the average rookie, you know, is supposed to be dealing with. Shout outs to uh, Houston, by the way. 
where it's the same kind of situation, but they're not as good as far as an expectation standpoint. But I do want to return quickly, George, to something that LZ said, which is it doesn't need to be some big mental health issue for me for Kyrie Irving to simply say, I'm not feeling this right now in terms of like where he is, frankly, as a black American in this country. Like, let's think about all that stuff that happened in the bubble in terms of where Kyrie was and in terms of where we are and who he knows he is. Let's not forget what went down last week. That was pretty ill. Yep. You know, and like, oh, by the way, getting t- I, I mean, I thought, uh, you know, and LZ and I talked about this on the air, like, you know, e- even I was like thinking to myself and I said this to Greg, I said, I don't know how I feel about doing anything today. You know, what I mean? agree. I didn't day. think they were going to play that night. I didn't yeah. think they were going to play that night. And my point only on that is this, is that. When Stephen A. brought up that notion of him retiring, everybody sort of laughed at it as if it was an over-the-top kind of suggestion. But, like, yo, man, if you can't play basketball, figure out your life. That is always going to be my priority with any of these athletes because he's out here attending different things on Zoom in terms of various social justice efforts. And I know he's going to birthday parties, but if his family is what makes him feel better about being himself, yo, I get it. You know what I mean? And, like, there's a lot of that in terms of the abbreviated schedule and how everything got rushed back that I think is very easy to just say – Always crazy, and I don't mean to use such an ableist kind of term, but like it's not that to me at all. This is extremely understandable if you know somebody like Kyrie in your life, and a lot of people do. This dude is just not with it right now. And what happens with that from a basketball and a team standpoint affects the Nets as much as anything in the Eastern Conference. I really believe that. But that's a but I agree with you, but that's also mental health. You know, a lot well, of people sure. when you talk about mental health, they automatically go to illness. It's not just illness. That's fair. Me- mental health running a bubble bath and just chilling and collecting your thoughts. I mean, last week, um, witnessing what occurred, writing about it, talking about it on ABC, um, talking to my sources, it was taxing. Yeah, Brother got high as hell on Saturday. <laughs> I'm not even going to front. You could ask my husband. My I husband was like, you, you, checked out, you checked out at 1.30 and you didn't come back till Sunday. And I was like, I just needed to unplug. And I totally understand. Listen, I, I, I grew up in D.C. I'm from D.C. I was born in D.C. I used to live like 10 blocks from the Capitol. So this was very much on my radar. But I also wasn't in the bubble when everything else was happening. And, and yep. so my point is, is just that I, I can understand completely why for a young man like Kyrie, basketball is not the move right now. And he might be handling it poorly in some people's eyes in terms of what the chain of command should and should not be. I honestly don't care about that. I'm not on the nets. All right. What I care about is whether or not a guy like Kyrie can can gain any fulfillment from doing the thing that he loves. And if he can't, that's unfortunate. And I would really hate for that to be what ends up ruining the the Nets season because they do have an excellent, excellent combination of basketball players. I just don't think it's enough to beat the Lakers. No, I definitely don't think it's enough to be the Lakers. Like, Anthony Davis would clobber them. Who's going to guard him? DeAndre yeah, Jordan? Yeah, right. I mean, that's a simple match. Who's, it's Jordan, a, it's a, who's, who's guarding LeBron still? Again, the Lakers <laughs> were the best team in the NBA last year, and the Lakers got better. You know, I think it was right. – I don't know who tweeted it from our account, from the ESPN Los Angeles account. I'm guessing it was Carla, where it just said, Nets acquire James Harden, and it was a picture of Homer sleeping soundly in bed. Oh, yeah, I'm I like, saw that. that yes, Lakers fans, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, right, exactly. That, that to me, is what this is. It's not exactly shifting – uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. It's not that at all. It's just that, like, I mean, honestly, I don't think that this makes any difference in terms of who's the number one seed overall for, for Vegas in the NBA. Not remotely. And you brought up, you know, Steve Nash, and there's an excellent point. He's a rookie head coach. He's going to be thrown in situations he hasn't been before. But even when you look at his bench, he's got Amari Stoudemire, who's a rookie assistant coach. Yep. He's got Mike D'Antoni, who, you know, despite, you know, having a D in his last name, hasn't coached any. So I'm like... <laughs> 
I'm like, it, it's going to take a lot. And I think for KD, this is truly going to be an opportunity for him not to show who he is as a baller, but as a leader. Because yeah. he's the one with all the rings, with the MVPs in the finals and the MVP in the regular season and all the accolades and the, and the clear alpha in the organization. And it's going to be up to him to figure out what's going on with Kyrie, get James Harden to drop, drop about 25 pounds and to slide his feet on defense, and also make sure that all the other remaining players are locked and loaded. And this is something that Magic and Jordan and LeBron and Bird – and, and Dr. J and all the greats at some point have to do, which is rally not just your team, but a franchise and get them over the hump. That's a lot to ask, man. Lose it's 25 pounds and get it together for Kyrie. I mean, <laughs> dang. Like, I mean, and I, and the only reason I say that is quickly, just because I realize we're up against it, is because, like, are the Nets now in a position where you're just going to say, all right, whatever, if you get in, you get in? Like, is it enough to handle where the regular season expectations change for the Nets, too, because you believe they're going to be able to do it in the playoffs? That's the question I would be asking if I was in Brooklyn and I was that concerned about the day-to-day of this team. Like, all right, whatever, forget the seed. We're going to get in. We're going to be all right. I don't know about that. That's what's dicey to me right now. Content is king, and they're going to provide plenty of it, which is Correct. what I love. Yep. Uh, Clinton, thank you so much for the time, as always, my man. Thank you. No doubt, guys. Good to see you. Happy New Year. We are not yet out of the Happy New Year week. It's a pay period after New Year's, so Happy New Year, y'all. I'll I'm you. with you Happy on Happy New that. Year, brother. Only, only uh, Scrooges like Israel Gutierrez say you can't say Happy <laughs> New Year after the first uh, of the New Year or whatever. Yeah, I love it. Geez. See you guys later. See you, man. Take care. Uh, there's Clinton Yates. Follow him on Twitter, at Clinton Yates. Check out his work at The Undefeated and, of course, Around the Horn and all sorts of other places on the ESPN platform. So, all right, coming up next, LZ, you and I are going to mm-hmm. have a real conversation with Raider fan. We'll tell you about what in three minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So down on LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Thanks to Clint Yates for joining us there. Momo earlier, if you missed any part of the show, subscribe to the Sedano and LZ podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, uh, and tell a friend too. And you can, of course, subscribe on ESPN's app, the Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Google, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Sliwa's going to join us next segment. Uh, we want to play something for him. Shaq has had a really hot take on this whole Brooklyn Harden situation, so we'll hear from Shaq, and of course, we'll we'll discuss that with Sliwa coming up in just a few minutes. But first, you and I, LZ, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, and Curtis, if you can do this, if you, I, I should have said this to you earlier, so my deepest apologies for not. Um, Greg, Greg, send him the Al, uh, Al Davis, the Tom Flores Coors Light commercial. Uh, it's 30 okay. seconds. I want to run it so people can hear it and get the context for what LZ and I are going to talk about. I think it's a brilliant campaign. It's basically, for those that haven't seen it, Tom Flores kind of sitting down in a lounge chair in his yard or whatever with a Coors Light can that has his face on it, right? And the Coors Light can is like a tribute can, uh, you know, paying homage to Tom Flores being the first Latino quarterback 
uh, being the first Latino head coach and asking the question, begging the question, really, of why isn't this guy in the Hall of Fame? Like, it's pretty wild. Um, his record is above 500. Um, and so there's that aspect to it. It's not like he's some under 500 coach. By the way, Joe Namath had more uh, interceptions than touchdowns in his career, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I know it's not uh, apples He to didn't apples. wear a fur coat and say, you know, we're going to do it, though. R- right, right. You got to do that. But the commercial is awesome. It's hilarious. It's great. And it uses sarcasm. Um, and I think it, it really stands for a couple of things, LZ, mm-hmm. because – Obviously, Tom Flores deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think as a coach, he's won two Super Bowls. Uh, he won one as an assistant and also won one as a player. But just the the fact that he was a trailblazer as the first Latino quarterback, the first Latino coach, and won um, as both, right? Like, I think that in itself also should give him the luxury of being in the Hall of Fame. So I know Raider fans have been clamoring for this for a long time. I know Jim Plunkett is also it should be in this conversation too. But it really, to me, and, and you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox for too long, but I have felt for a very long time that Latino people, right, no matter what your background is, right, I know we're all, we're not a monolith, um, but I feel like Latino people, are somewhat kind of omitted in a lot of cases and even taken for granted in some cases when it comes to historical context. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, it's something that has been bothering me in our overall conversation, specifically when it comes to the hiring practices of both high, high school and collegiate and professional football. Because we automatically go toward the deficiencies in hiring African-Americans. And that is a justifiable and accurate conversation to be held. But we don't spend a great deal of time talking about the lack of diversity when it comes to other races, other groups, you know, and we need to, to stop doing that for a variety of reasons. Number one, uh, the largest group outside of uh, white Americans are Latinos. 19% of the country. I mean, so we're like ignoring a significant portion of our society because we're caught up in a conversation that may not be, in terms of our language, portraying an accurate portrayal of what this country or what this sport is today. And the other thing, too, is that it's really hard to make the argument that white owners are ignoring black people as a black person myself, and I'm only speaking for myself, while ignoring the deficiencies in having a pipeline for Latinos and Asian Americans as well, because then all of a sudden I'm just doing the same thing. You know, suggesting, wait your turn. Well, we've been here long enough. Whatever the argument is, whatever the discussion is, the, the truth of the matter is, is that there needs to be true diversity represented in those positions and not just the diversity that benefits you. So I'm glad to see that commercials out there. I'm glad the conversation is being put out there. Um, I do know that the conversation as far as Hollywood is concerned is also percolating a little bit more. People are wondering why Netflix, for instance, hasn't had more content that's specific for, for Latino Americans. And I co-signed that 100% because I'm like, listen, if you're fighting for diversity, then fight for diversity of all and not just diversity of what represents you. And, and look, I, I, 
this comes on a day also, and I think that, you know, whether it's in this particular case with Tom Flores or just across the board, right, like as we just kind of alluded to, like there is a lack of acknowledgement of the Latino community, which is such a big community in this country, a fifth of the country, basically. Um, but for those that haven't heard the commercial, it is awesome. Uh, Curtis has it. Here's the Tom Flores Coors Light commercial. It's just really well done. You should watch it. If you don't see it on TV, you should find it online. It's really well done. Like it's great. It is. Uh, and, and and he nailed the sarcasm. Like and the the guy who did the narration was fantastic. Um, but it, it it really does beg the question, right? Like like do we need to do this to get this man in the Hall of Fame? It seems ridiculous to me. Well, I, I, it is ridiculous because I don't think there's a real appreciation for what it means to break down barriers for someone who's not black. I think right. we have a really good understanding of what it means for a black person to break through, but we still don't have the same appreciation. And and part of it has to do with the long history. Let's, you know, I'm not, not saying there isn't a history there that warrants the attention, but when a Latino breaks through, that needs to be celebrated as well. We just got our first Latino senator for the state of California. Right. And when I saw that, I was like, what the hell? How, how did it take that, that long? Right? How did it take that long? And yeah. then it wasn't even through the voting electoral process. He was handpicked by the governor. So I'm like, we need to do better in yeah. all aspects in this conversation. But when it comes to sports specifically, it's like, come on, dog. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, uh, you know, this comes on a day, and I want to congratulate um, Victor Rojas, um, who was the is the Angels. Uh, or was now the Angels play-by-play voice on English television. Mm-hmm. Um, he is now taking a job as the um, GM of their uh, minor league system, basically. And that's an awesome thing for him. Like, that is a big step uh, for him. And he is uh, blazing trails there. So I want, I want to congratulate Victor on that. But, I, I, you know, I tweeted it. I said, I'm excited for Victor Rojas. Now how will Major League Baseball teams address the fact that there are zero Latino play-by-play voices in a sport where the player makeup is over 30% Latino? This isn't football or the NBA um, where it's a very small percentage, like single digits, right? Um, This is like a third of your sport is Latino, and there is not one play-by-play person who is Latino. Like that, from a broadcasting perspective, LZ, like I can tell you as someone who has dealt with this, like – um, I've had these conversations with people um, prior to joining ESPN for years. Like when I would talk to other networks before joining ESPN, which is like, well, you know, it, it, it's like you don't sound Hispanic enough. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> like because I can tell you because be- I've heard that one. <laughs> because English English is my first language. Like I, I grew up here. You know what I mean? Like I, I was born here. Um, and then I had a guy who is still an executive. I won't name the network, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this was pre-ESPN. I want to say it was like 2012, okay? Who said to me when I was talking to him about potentially joining their network, he said, I said, you know, like I was thinking about these avenues and, and obviously, you know, there's not a lot of Latino voices. And he said, well, does your, could you do a show with your dad? Ha, 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 ha. Like, because Dan had just started doing the show with his father a couple of years earlier. And I was like, no, I don't do a show with my dad. Um, And but that's that's the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the world you're dealing with. I've had conversations with other people um, who are Latino broadcasters who are like, 
peop, the executives will tell them, well, you sound too, too ethnic, too Hispanic. And it's like, what? <laughs> Which is it? Does it? You can't sound um, too non-Hispanic, but you can also sound too Hispanic. Like it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a, it's like threading a, uh, you know, a needle. You know what I mean? Like it's a really tough spot, uh, I think, in this industry. And clearly, it, 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 you know, expands to other industries for this group of people. It, it absolutely, definitely does. And when I was doing sideline reporting for the Zone, one of the the, the beautiful things was seeing a greater effort in terms of making sure that those of us who were covering the sport looked like those of us who were participating and were fans of the sport. Right. And, you know, getting to work with Claudia and, and Beto and, and Sergio, I learned and I became better because of them. So it's right. not just simply having, you know, people there so you can check a box in the HR department. It's about making sure you're able to tell the full story of these athletes we're supposed to cover, and it helps to have experience and expertise in those areas of culture in order to tell those stories. A hundred percent. And I think a mistake that a lot of networks make also, too, is um, they pander too much. Like, it becomes gimmicky. And we don't like that either. Like, don't gimmicky me. You know, don't gimmick me. Like, just let... How about we put a good show together with good production, good producing, right? Like George Lopez. Mm-hmm. The George Lopez show um, I thought was, was very good. Um, it didn't last on TBS or whatever it was. Um, you know, I don't think he had the resources that Conan O'Brien got. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. Um, you know, we live in a world, and I, I, and I say this as a fan of these people, where we've got two guys on broadcast television or in, you know, the – television world who are big voices in James Corden and John Oliver who are British okay mm-hmm. and you know come to this country from another country but because they speak English the king's you know, English Britain, if you will right the king's <laughs> English or the queen's English oh. it, it's more acceptable than someone who was born here uh, who's trying to work in um, you know in the broadcast industry like like George Lopez like it just it's insane to me. And I say that in, in a sense that, like, I know that, like, look, I talked to George about this not too long ago during the Hispanic Heritage Month where um, ABC gave him a shot. And, look, the Walt Disney Company that we work for, at, you know, of all the companies in the media business, clearly does the best job. Like, it's not right. even close, I think. Um, but, it, like, the industry in general has such a long way to go. And those are just, like, a few examples you know, and I know we started talking about Tom Flores in this situation, but I do think it just is a perfect um, example of what the bigger picture is around the world for Latino people. No, no, no. I, I agree with you 100%. It's not simply because, you know, we're friends and we're, you know, co-hosts on this show, but it's like just something I've just been cognizant of, you know, in the world of politics specifically for years, like just seeing how it's discounted until it's time for you to do something for us. So we want a Latino person around if we need someone to translate for us. But heaven forbid they, they are, that we put them in a position outside of this, this space where they get to be like normal because we're not quite sure if they will be accepted as normal. And it's like this, that mentality needs to be erased. Yeah, I agree. All right, we got to we gotta go because Sliwa's coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk to him. Shaq has a really hot take, apparently, on the Brooklyn situation. We'll talk to Sliwa what he thinks about the Brooklyn situation, uh, the Lakers game coming up tomorrow.